Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona, which I will say from now on, not only because that's where Matt's from, but also Daniel Johnson on Facebook also agrees that I cannot confuse Altoona with Eau Claire. So we got some concrete uh, evidence that those two must be distinguished, and uh, I, I agree. So uh, with that being said, happy Labor Day, everyone, whatever you normally do on Labor Day. I hope it's enjoyable, and... Gosh, we are three days away from the start of the Packers 2014 season in Seattle. It's a date we've all been looking forward to for months now. And before we get into previewing that, let's reflect briefly on the preseason, which concluded last Thursday with a 34-14 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. The Packers' main uh, concern in that game was trying to determine who makes the final 53 roster, and who their backup quarterback would be. Before we get into the details of those things, Matt, I cannot remember the last time a fourth preseason game was that fun to watch. Yeah, that was a great game, and it's just good to see. I mean, I think that has a lot to do with our backup quarterbacks, too. I mean, you're not usually that interested in the second and third string battle. We've had a pretty concrete second guy for a while, or they're just so bad it doesn't even matter. So sure. I think that has a lot to do with it. But, yeah, I completely agree it was a good game. Yeah, that definitely is the biggest uh, indicator on the enjoyability of these preseason games is your backup quarterback situation. Those two years, uh, make that three years, when Favre and Rodgers were both there, especially uh, that last season when Favre was back to form and Rodgers was starting to really come into his own, those preseason games were fun because those guys just destroyed all the backups and, and everything. Uh, your Doug Peterson Twilight Years preseason games, not quite as fun. No good, yeah. So... This one resembled one of those better ones. And the quarterback situation was decided in two ways. First of all, there was some concern that the Packers were going to release whoever did not get named the second quarterback. They elected against that and kept both Matt Flynn and Scott Tolzien. And then, maybe in a small surprise, Matt Flynn is selected the starter, uh, despite... Tolzien outperforming him statistically in the preseason. Uh, what are your thoughts on both of those items, I guess, beginning with uh, their decision to keep both guys? Yeah, I know on the last podcast we talked about how we both wanted them to, but it seemed like they weren't going to keep both. Um, but I guess it's good news. I mean, when you look at the cuts, there was nobody that was really noteworthy that you kind of would have rather kept instead of a third quarterback. So I like that they did that. Mm-hmm. I, am, I am a little surprised when it's the backup. Um, I mean, Tolzien definitely has more of the upside, but I think if I have to throw a guy into a game that maybe, you know, you're up 21-17 and Rodgers goes down, I guess I'm okay putting Flynn in over Tolzien. Maybe I trust him a little bit more. So mm-hmm. maybe that's the thought. He's had more time in the system. He's played. He started more, and he played well last year. So I guess maybe he didn't look as good in a few preseason games, and I'm maybe more of a fan of Tolzien, but mm-hmm. I'm okay with Flynn being the second stringer. Yeah, and you bring up a good point about maybe the readiness to come into a game because realistically, that's what you're preparing for. You're not expecting Aaron Rodgers to be gone for eight weeks like he was last year. Um, and then once that happens, you're kind of in a different mindset anyways. I think you're right. I mean, this is not going to be set in stone by any means that Flynn is always going to be the backup quarterback all season long. But I have a feeling that if Aaron Rodgers were to go down, I would rather throw Flynn out there. But if Aaron Rodgers is going to miss a start, I might consider giving Tolzien yeah. the, the nod. Agreed. So at least they kept both guys, so they're both still an option. It would have been very likely that they lost whoever they cut. So I think that probably played into uh, what they decided to do. And so let's talk about the other guys that did get cut originally. And 
that were these guys were cornerback Ryan White, running back Michael Hill, running back Ladarius Perkins, John Fullerton, the offensive tackle, uh, offensive lineman Jordan McRae, inside linebacker Jake Doherty, wide receiver Alex Gillette, safety Tanner Miller, cornerback Jamal Roll, uh, safety Chris Banjo, which caused some waves amongst Packer fans, defensive end Carlos Gray, wide receiver Miles White, who is a, another familiar name on this list, uh, outside linebacker Adrian Hubbard, wide receiver Ken Dor- Kevin Dorsey, tight end Justin Perillo, center Garth Gerhardt, offensive tackle Jeremy, I, I saw him play the other day, Vonovich. I'm not the best at those kind of Yugoslavian-looking names. <laughs> and then uh, Luther Robinson uh, was also released on Saturday. And then the Packers placed Kyrie Thornton, the rookie, on injured reserve Aaron Adams, the offensive tackle who tore his ACL in the preseason game on Thursday. Jake Stoneburner, who played, I'm not sure what injury he had. No, uh, I hadn't heard anything either. I'm assuming with Ted Thompson, it was probably the sniffles. Yep. Uh, so I'm sure that's where he's there. And uh, linebacker Nate Palmer, who got some playing time last year. So I read all of those names uh, just kind of for completeness sake, but... I'll be very honest with you. I watched a lot of the training camp reports that are broadcast locally in the Green Bay television market. I watched all four preseason games, and outside of a handful of those guys, I don't recognize many of them, so I don't think there's that big Anthony Smith-type name on there like there has been in years past. Yeah, it's kind of strange, too, because, I mean, you hear about, and, I mean, usually in the past there's a couple of guys that you're, you're saying, whoa, and there really wasn't any. I mean, Banjo's played well, more of a special teams type guy, but really nobody, they didn't cut any veterans really, which usually there's one or two kind of sprinkled in there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, really kind of an uneventful cutting, which is a good sign. Mm-hmm. We were able to keep pretty much everybody that wanted, and most of those guys they cut it that you would know kind of practice squatted too, so mm-hmm. you really didn't feel like you left a whole lot uh, when you cut those guys. Yeah, and it suggests to me that all of the people that they've invested real resources in are playing up to expectations, which is very exciting. You don't see, uh, I'm trying to think of a better example than Anthony Smith, but, but a kind of guy that they invested some time and money, not, not nearly as drastic as Tim Couch was in, in 2004, where they brought him in and expected him to be maybe a guy to take over for Favre, and he's just a complete disaster. But certainly, we've seen those kind of veterans that are brought in as lower to mid-level free agents that just don't pan out and when they get rid of them so this is good to see uh we got a tweet from caleb pike uh, one of our great listeners saying uh, when was the last time that the packers had all of their draft picks make the team i tried to research that a little bit today and it's it's pretty hard to find out that information because the the roster uh the, the practice squad and all that kind of stuff is not documented that great so i did not find out the answer to that but certainly that's maybe is encouraging for the future of this draft class if, if most of, or I think Caleb said all of those guys made the team. Yeah, you maybe would have thought coming into the preseason that Janice didn't have much of a chance with how deep they were at receiver and yeah. that he you know, shows up and just tears it up in the preseason. So there was no way he'd got that guy. So And he yeah, probably yeah, wouldn't I mean, have made the team, and he might not have made the team if Abradaris had not gotten hurt. That's true. But, uh, I mean, he's definitely not a guy they would have let walk. Abradaris or... or uh, uh, I wouldn't think Janice after how well he played. Oh, yeah, he played great. I, I guess I'm just thinking his opportunities probably would have been reduced. True. Well. Yeah, that's true. But, it, yeah, very exciting, and he's a guy I'm definitely looking forward to, and, and that kind of segues into what I wanted to talk about, and that is a surprise and a disappointment from the Packers this preseason. Let's start with the positive. Matt, what is a surprise that you had coming out of this preseason? 
I really like the the secondary depth, and I'll say corner specifically. I think all these guys, I mean, Roll, who was cut even, had a really good preseason. Um, and then Hayward and House, that might be about as good of a nickel and a dime as you have in the league right now. So yeah. I think, uh, you know, Tremont and Sam Shields, pretty good starters, but then what you have behind them, I'm not afraid to bring in a fourth DB anymore because it's not going to be Jared Bush most likely, and it's not going to hey, be Hey, he got a pick, that, though. <laughs> yeah, it, even him being your fifth or sixth corner, I mean, that's pretty darn good. So mm-hmm. I, I really like what they have there. I think if their starting safeties can play good enough, I think our secondary could be really, really good. So yeah. I guess that'll that'll be my good. Yeah, piggybacking on your point, when people were upset about Chris Banjo getting released, I like Chris Banjo, and he's he's been a, kind of a nice utility guy to have. But at the same thought, you're like, well, we already have haha Clinton Dix sitting on the bench, and we have Sean Richardson, who has started games and been serviceable. And so if you're getting upset about your fifth-string safety right. uh, getting cut, then, man, you got a pretty darn good roster. <laughs> Um, I'll say my surprise is is kind of an obvious one. I'll I'll say this one first, and then I'll throw a real slight one at the end. Um, My surprise is Jerome Elliott. I looked it up today. He led the NFL in sacks in the preseason, had five, uh, came out of nowhere. He looks like he's going to be a very effective player. I hope he gets a chance to play, because I think of guys like Vic Saoto, who just terrorized the preseason, and then the regular season came, and he hardly ever saw the field. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Jerome Elliott is just a nice guy that they have waiting in the wings in case something bad happens, or if he's a guy they're going to actually try to get involved into the defense. And maybe with Raji getting hurt, uh, it provides some of those opportunities. But uh, another little minor surprise I had for this preseason, again, may sound a little obvious, but Eddie Lacy looks way faster to me. And I don't know if if that's just me imagining it because of how dominant he's been in very, very limited action. But it looks like this guy has not been resting on his Offensive Rookie of the Year season of a year ago. He is very committed to still getting better, much like you know guys like Aaron Rodgers are. And if he is faster... The only hole that he had in his game last year was that he couldn't break away from people. His three longest runs were all over 50 yards, and he got caught from behind all three times. So if he is able to break have breakaway speed, which it looks like he might, this guy could be a top-five running back in a couple years. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, do you want to move on to disappointments here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and there's really not a whole lot to choose from here. I mean, we're kind of nitpicking. You could say injuries, but that's a kind of a cheap way out if you ask me. Um I'm going to say, I think maybe finding somebody that could help take over the kick return duties, mm-hmm. I guess just maybe a little bit more explosive. I don't want to see Cobb back there on punt returns, which is, as of right now, I believe he's penciled in at that spot. Yeah. Um, you've got Dewan Harris, who I think could do it. Micah Hyde's been okay in the past, but you really didn't get anybody to you know, take that load off and to maybe provide some plays from that mm-hmm. arena. So I, I guess maybe I would have liked to see a little bit more out of the special teams. Yeah, that's a good one because... The three best guys on that team by far at returning kicks right now are Randall Cobb, Micah Hyde, and probably still Tremont Williams. Mm-hmm. And all three of those guys are too important to be putting back there. Yeah, they're all starting, and I, I hate putting a starter back there. It's nice to have a guy like you know Jacoby Jones who's mm-hmm. just a burner and isn't going to play otherwise to just go back there and return kicks. Well, yeah, and I believe Cobb in 2012 missed that Viking game that cost us a first-round bye because of getting injured on a punt return. Mm -hmm. Uh, Woodson obviously had that 2007 punt return injury where Jarrett Bush bonked into him Three Stooges style. So 
I don't want to put any of those guys back there. And even if you find an Antonio Chapman who's going to get six yards of return, but he's never going to fumble, um, that's fine with me. I'd, I'd rather yeah, have I that. Mean, maybe we'll see Jeff Janis back there more as the season goes on. Sure. I mean, that could be a good spot for him because you would think you have an, uh, enough other weapons in the passing game that uh, uh, you could have a chance. My disappointment is kind of what your surprise was. I think the safety depth is really good, and I feel comfortable about that position, but I wish I would have seen more, I guess, impact plays come from that position. Yeah, that's been the problem. Yeah, they're rock solid, but they didn't get an interception all last season, and they didn't get that close this season, uh, this preseason, to getting some interceptions. They, I think they're going to be really effective. They're going to not be a hole in that defense, but... You, I would have liked to see one of those guys even get a tipped interception or, or something of that nature. I'm not that privy to what makes an effective non-intercepting safety, especially in the preseason games. I didn't single them out and watch them. But uh, uh, as good as they all are and as many options as they have, they were a little quiet for my taste. And quite frankly, the whole defense only having two interceptions in four preseason games. Yeah. So I guess we're kind of running out of things to say about the preseason. Um, I was looking up the stats today. The Packers, and take with these, these stats with, take from these stats what you will is what I'm trying to spit out. The Packers were fifth in the NFL in scoring and fifth in the NFL in fewest points allowed in this preseason. So um, I know you can't take a ton from it, although you should read my article and see that 3-1 and one usually historically has meant very good things for the Packers. 3-1 uh, and one has almost always meant playoffs, and I think is, is 10.45 wins per season after a 3-1 and one preseason. I'm not saying that's going to happen in a, to book your playoff tickets, but uh, certainly it means we have a good team that you shouldn't be scared about. But um, what do you make of the overall performance of this team and the fact that as good as some of their teams have been recently, including the Super Bowl team, including 07, they've only won three preseason games uh, a you know, a couple times in the Mike McCarthy era, and they were both successful seasons. I really liked what I saw, and it kind of reminded you of, I think it was 11 when they just had that completely dominant preseason, yep. where I think they, they were just flashes for most, and for most of the games, they looked so much better than the other teams, which is a great sign. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, winning preseason games isn't that big of a deal, but when you look that good playing in them, that's what really matters. So, mm-hmm. I guess they passed the eye test for me, and I'm, I'm pretty confident in this team this year. I think I feel a lot better going into the season than I did last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I really liked what I saw, and I don't think that we saw a whole lot of holes. I think that's why we were, for our weakness, they, or our, the things that we didn't like in the in the preseason, I think we picked out things that aren't nearly as important as things we might have chose last year. Yeah, and I'm with you. I am as confident about this team as I have been since 2011. Um, I just think that this team's got a very good chance of doing something. As much as I hate the rule changes that were instituted, it's going to level the playing field between us and the Niners and Seahawks, and so I think they have a chance. I don't necessarily know if they're going to win on Thursday, but they don't have to win on Thursday to do great things this year, so I think this should be a fun season. We just got to somehow squash that injury bug one of these years. All right, uh, we're going to do a new feature this year where we're going to do a weekly pick'em contest where Matt and I are each going to pick every game as fast as we can and then maybe talk more in depth about the Packer game. 
But in years past, we've just picked the Packer games, maybe thrown out some other games. This year, we're going to keep track. And at the end of the year, we're going to compare our scores, and we'll finally be able to prove definitively that I'm smarter than Matt. So <laughs> that's kind of the point of this. And also, we want to get you guys involved, which uh, there'll be a poll up on uh, Facebook every week. It's kind of convoluted because you're limited with your designing options if you're not a web designer like I am not. So... Just try to figure it out. Um, it should be pretty easy to navigate uh, picking the winners for each of the games. So it's similar to the quarterbacks poll and the goalies poll that we've uh, had you uh, fill out in the past. So with that, Matt, are you ready to pick the week one games? Absolutely. All right, let's start with the New Orleans Saints, who are traveling to the Georgia Dome to take on the Atlanta Falcons. What do you think is going to happen in this one? I'm picking Saints here. I, I spent a little bit of time thinking about this one because I think the Falcons are going to be a lot better this year, and I think this could be a really good game, especially being in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It seems like an ultimate trap game for the Saints, but I think that they still win this game. I'm going to go Saints. Yeah, and I, I am, I'm there with you. I think that this might be close. It usually is between these two teams. I think Atlanta will be better, but New Orleans just has too much firepower. It's in a dome. It plays right into their hands, so I, I'm going to agree with you. I think New Orleans is going to take this one. I guess we'll we'll flip-flop who goes first on each of these, so I'll start with this one. Vikings at Rams. I think that this is probably going to be a pretty bad football game for starters. I expect the Rams to win this one. They don't have a lot of firepower on offense, but I think that Sean Hill, if he can limit the turnovers, they might have a chance. They're at home. home, They have a really good defense. Uh, I don't think that the, the Vikings... Uh, are despite their 4-0 record in the preseason, I think they're going to be pretty hapless on offense at times. So I'm going to pick the Rams to win this one. All right, and I'm going opposite way in this one. I'm picking the Vikings. I just think the Rams don't have any scoring power on offense. So I think that although their defense is pretty good, especially their front seven, I think just going against AP in a game like this and Cordell Patterson, and Matt Castle's at least got some experience, I, I think that Minnesota probably wins a low-scoring game here. I'll pick the Vikings. Sure, that's definitely a possibility. All right, up next we have the Cleveland Browns visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers in a big AFC North rivalry game, or at least that's what uh, the Browns and uh, the NFL would have us believe. I don't know how much the Steelers really care about playing the Browns anymore, but who will win this one? I'm picking the Steelers here. I, I want to pick the Browns. I think Hoyer will play better than he did in the preseason, but there's just too many ifs on that team, and they're just not that talented, so I'll pick Pittsburgh due to Roethlisberger playing at quarterback. I don't know this for sure. But I think the Browns have only beat Pittsburgh like twice or something since they returned in 1999. Really? <laughs> I mean, it's a really low number. Uh, twice seems low, but they had a streak where it was like five years where they didn't beat Pittsburgh. So I don't expect that to end on Sunday. I'll take the Steelers at home. Yep. Another easy one coming up here, the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles, who were the highest scoring team in the preseason. Um, my turn to go first. I'll pick Philadelphia. Uh, unless something happens to Nick Foles during the game, I don't see how the Eagles lose this one. Yeah, no need to elaborate on this one, Philadelphia. <laughs> All right, uh, and another exciting, nail-biting AFC matchup in Week 1. We have the Oakland Raiders traveling to the Meadowlands to take on the New York Jets. Ooh. That could be a good game, actually. <laughs> well, I guess it could. So who's going to win that, see that one. good game? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll pick the Jets just because, I mean, Geno's going to be starting. I don't know who... Who's starting for the Raiders at this point? I think Carr might if Schaub's still hurt. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but, what about uh, McGloin? Not McGloin? McGloin's number three, I guess, this year. Oh. So I think if I think if uh, Schaub doesn't go, I think Carr's starting. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'll have to pick against the Raiders in this one. 
I still think Rich Gannon's the quarterback there. He might be. Who would know? They haven't been on TV in like eight years. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll pick the Jets, too. I think that they have enough defense to disrupt what the Raiders are doing. And um, that that 2008 Pro Bowl team that the Raiders have assembled through free agency, I don't think, has what it takes. So. Right. All right, here's a pretty good matchup. The Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Um, at home, I think the Ravens always give the Bengals a, a bit of trouble. And I, I, I in the our preview show in the summer, I, I don't think the Bengals are going to be as good as everyone else does this year. So I think they're going to start off a little bit rocky. And uh, I'm going to pick the Ravens to beat them. And I... I'm not a big believer in the Ravens this year. I don't know, especially with Ray Rice out of the lineup. And I think Bernard Pollard might even be hurt, too. Okay. It just seems like that Flacco contract has left him being pretty much the only star on offense. And he's not a star at all, in my opinion. I just don't think he can carry that offense. I think they're in for maybe a kind of a mediocre year this year. So I'm picking the Bengals to win this one due to just having A.J. Green. Yeah, that's that's a possibility. And I guess my pick is not necessarily thinking that the Ravens are good, more so having a lack of confidence in the Bengals. Yeah, you hate the Bengals. They're your least favorite. They're not. They're, they're, they're well, I don't know what they are. Um, I tried to make us be hardcore Bengals fans way back when, but you just didn't take. Well, they got rid of all of our favorites. No Rudy Johnson anymore? Oh, that's true. That's a real good point. <laughs> How, once they got rid of Rudy, what's the point? Yeah, it was over. All right, so now we have the Buffalo Bills taking on the Chicago Bears. Weird stat to share with you here. This is the third straight season that the Bears have opened at noon against an AFC team at home. So my theory is that they, the CBS always has the U.S. Open on during the late game, so Fox gets the doubleheader. So I think they just want another big market that they can put a game in sure. uh, since all the big West Coast teams are playing the doubleheader on Fox. Uh I don't remember if it's you or me to go first this time, but Chicago is going to win. I'm pretty confident about that. Yep, same here. I don't. Uh, it would be a pretty big upset, I think, if Buffalo were able to pull this one off. I'll go Chicago. Yeah, definitely. And now we have the Washington Redskins taking on the Houston Texans in what could be an interesting game. Uh, who do you got in that one? I'm going to go with an upset here and pick Houston. I just think that uh, RG3 being his first regular season game back after a bad year last year, and that Houston team should have a pretty darn good pass rush. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm not crazy about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I think this is one's prime for an upset. I think Washington coming in with maybe some big heads and a new offense, and I think Houston shuts them down, so I'm going to pick the Texans here. Yeah, this one's real tough because I'm not sure what kind of offense Houston's going to have either. Uh, they don't have a very good quarterback. Arian Foster's coming off of an injury. So I'm trying to be realistic about what could happen to some of their key guys. I mean, what, this will be the 12th season for Andre Johnson? and. Mm-hmm. But I just can't trust Washington yet. Uh, their defense has been historically bad the last two years. So if there's a team that an aging, injured, new offense with a very suspect quarterback can beat up on, it's the Washington Redskins. So I'll, I'll agree with you and take the Houston Texans. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that we saw last year, RG3 can't handle it, somebody in his face. So I yeah. think if he's got J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney coming after him, that could cause some problems. And this is the first meaningful game that he will have played since, what, Thanksgiving weekend? Yep. After he got shut down last year, so we'll see what happens there. The Tennessee Titans will travel to Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I guess it's my turn to go first here. The Chiefs had a really rough preseason, but I don't think Tennessee has enough punch to be able to hurt them at home. So while uh, this could potentially be uh, an upset situation, I don't have the guts to say it fully that Tennessee will win, so I'll take Kansas City. Yeah, I like Casey here, too, especially being an arrowhead. If Maybe if it was in Tennessee, it would be a different story, but 
uh, Locker coming back for his first game, if he if he's even playing, I'm pretty sure he is. Mm-hmm. I think he's played through the preseason, and they just don't have a whole lot of talent. I mean, on that whole roster, they lost Altron Burner mm-hmm. and uh, some of their depth from last year. They've got a good offensive line, but that's about it. So I'm going to say Chiefs as well. Didn't they lose Chris Johnson as well? Yeah, he's a Jet now. So they're starting. They've actually swapped. It seems like Sean Green is their starting running back, and uh, oh, and Bishop Sankey, that rookie out of Washington. He better be good because I. Uh... Took him in the draft in a little Uh-oh. bit of a panic mode. <laughs> well, I I did I it was, I should say it's a fantasy draft. I didn't draft him. You I didn't actually, actually draft for the Titans this year. No, I actually have no role in the Titans front office, believe oh, it or okay. not. Okay, and for the game that has been inexplicably beamed to our part of the country, at least in the Green Bay market, I don't know about out there with your old Claire stations. The New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins is a game that I might have to watch on Sunday. Um, this matchup. Uh, last year was actually pretty good. They played twice and split both of them with the Dolphins beating the Patriots in Miami. Can they do it again, Matt? I'm picking New England here. Um, I don't know. I just Tannehill at quarterback. There's not a whole lot of depth there. I don't. I don't even know who they have at receiver or running back anymore. Oh, they I got think Mike they have Sean Moreno starting. Yeah, and they have Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace. That's right. I. I don't know. I. I think the Patriots win this one. Yeah. Um. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm going to take an upset on this one. I think that the Dolphins at home, first game of the season, I just have a feeling that they played New England tough twice last year. They got, if, if Tannehill is even a little bit better, they got some weapons in the passing game. They also have Charles Clay, who's emerging That's as true. one of the better tight ends in the league. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if, I, I don't know, I guess... I, I'm waiting for the year when New England finally takes a step back. You would think that the they can't propagate this success forever, and maybe it's not giving them enough credit, but I have a feeling that the reason they've been so successful for so long is because nobody in the division has been good enough to take it from them. That's definitely true, yeah. And so I, in the years they have been, the Jets kind of trumped them a little bit. The years they were okay. Yeah, exactly, and definitely had more success in the playoffs the years that the Jets were good. So yep. I'll, I'm just going to take the Dolphins. I kind of maybe I just want to pick an upset, but yeah, I think you can upsets. do it again. They're going to happen. It's just never the ones you expect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another potential for an upset is the Carolina Panthers taking on the uh, L.A. Extreme of the X. Or no, I'm <laughs> sorry, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who who do you think is going to win that one? Oh man, I'm definitely picking Carolina because those Tampa Unis at at home are going to be disgusting. Uh, unless they wear the whites, that could be different. They're not quite as bad. Still really ugly, but uh, I've got to go Carolina here. I think Tampa's going to be okay this year. I think McCown can at least run a decent offense. But and Doug Martin back healthy. But I think uh, I think Carolina's got enough to get the job done here. If Cam Newton plays, that is, I think he's supposed to. Yeah, he still got that what that cartilage Brett injury Brett. or. Something yeah. like that in the ribs. Yeah, I think uh, Carolina can win. This will probably be like a 13 to 12 kind of game. But, yeah. Uh, I don't think Tampa Bay is in the position yet to to be sneaking up on anybody who's halfway decent. Um, the Buccaneers. If I still had Sunday ticket, I feel like Tampa, despite how bad their uniforms is, would be a team I'd end up watching a lot because I just love. Like, we used to watch them a lot in the, the 2000s when we had Sunday Ticket. Like, those ragtag teams that you're so confused as to how a GM could think they could succeed. Like the, oddly enough, the Josh McCown, Jeff Blake Cardinals, when they had Emmett Smith and just a bunch of old guys. Or It just, this seems like a team, much like the Texans on offense, where you're like, really? this You really think this team's going to win something this year? This is the best you could do. So there's a little commentary about the Bucks, but they're going to lose. Well, that, so. and McCown did a nice job with uh, his two receivers in Chicago last year, the big guys, Jeffrey and um, Brandon Marshall. He's yeah. got 
pretty much the same situation here. Probably not quite as good, but mm-hmm. Vincent Jack- Jackson and the rookie Mike Evans, that could be pretty lethal. Yeah, that's true, and he had one of the lowest interception percentages, and actually... I wrote about this earlier in the, the summer, so I, I can't remember, but I think he had tied with Damon Heward in 06, like the lowest interception percentage of all time last year oh. with the Bears. I mean, he was just really, really good. It made me feel better about the Packers blowing that Monday night game to him yeah. because he actually played really good, and he destroyed the Cowboys in that Monday night game. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he gives them a chance, I guess, but he's still Josh McCown. I can't get over that. He's... Mm-hmm. He's 34 now, and last year he played great, but he, he's been playing for a decade and hasn't been very good. We we wasted way too much of this podcast on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. This would have been the best game of the week 15, 20 years ago, but what about in 2014? Um, This is going to be my biggest upset pick of the week here. I'm going Cowboys. Okay. I think that the 49ers offense has looked really bad in the preseason, and I'm, to begin with, not a big Kaepernick guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just, they're just they a little too confident, and I think that this Cowboys offense can come out here and put up some points against them, and they can maybe not retaliate in that kind of a way. Obviously, if this was a late-season game, I'd probably go San Francisco, but it's in Dallas. I think they'll put up a lot of points. San Francisco, what, they lost Whitner? No, um, uh, who's 99? Eldon Smith, he's out. Yep, he's out um, for nine games, I think. Their other middle linebacker's out. Um, uh, um, Navarro Bowman is Navarro still? Bowman, yeah, yeah, he's still out with that ACL injury too. Yeah. So I, I think they're a little bit depleted, and I think this is a prime upset game here. I'm going Cowboys. Yeah, um, I think you're right in a lot of ways. They just have been so bad on offense this preseason. You know what, though? Maybe just to provide some interest. You can't to our pick picks. the Cowboys too. I mean, I'm going to take San Francisco, and I think it's because Tony Romo's coming off the back injury, so he might be a little bit tentative. This is a team that is going to force a guy like Romo to turn the ball over a lot. So the thing about this one is, much like the Packers-Seahawks, is we're going to see right away what effect the new rules are going to have. Because... This is the kind of matchup where last year you could see them frustrating Des Bryant and being all over Jason Witten and really hampering this Cowboys offense. But with the new rules, I mean, it might be to the point where Des Bryant just runs all over them. They can't do anything. But to make it interesting, I'll say I don't trust Tony Romo. That Cowboy defense really lost some stuff, still sucks. So if uh, the 49ers are going to get going against somebody, it may as well be the Cowboys. So I'll take San Francisco mainly just to oppose you here. All right. <laughs> All right. And I was clicking around, and I missed my schedule here. So it is Colts at Broncos is the Sunday night football game. Andrew Luck going to Denver this year after beating Peyton in Indy last year. What do you got? Should be a good one. I'm picking Denver here. It's in Denver. Um, I just, I guess at this point, I trust Peyton a lot more in the regular season than I trust Andrew Luck. So, I think they're both pretty, pretty good teams, and I like the weapons that Indy has. But I, I still got to go Denver here. I think they're too stacked. Yeah, and I got to go with Denver as well. Um, they still got, they, they had a really good preseason as well. Um, New, or, uh, excuse me, Indianapolis had a pretty bad preseason. But if I remember right, didn't they go 0 and 4 in the preseason like every year with Peyton? Uh, I think they had one. Yeah, point you're right. Because he never played. Well, yeah, exactly. He would not play at all. I think one at one point they had lost like 11 straight preseason games, and so if somebody tried to write the article I wrote, 
for our website over at uh, Blue and White Forever, they, it probably came to the exact opposite conclusion, that you should try your best to lose as many preseason games as possible. But I still just, I know it's the preseason, but I was able to see that Indianapolis-New Orleans game, and I really like Andrew Luck. He's an incredibly exciting player, but gosh, he just throws a lot of dumb passes that get intercepted. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just being young, or he's supposed to be one of these smartest guys in the league, and then he'll just make so many boneheaded mistakes. And I just have a feeling trying to keep up with Peyton that he's going to make a ton of those. And it feels like this is going to be a clone of that New England indie playoff game where Luck keeps it close for a while, but then his mistakes catch up with him, and then the opposing team with a star quarterback just runs away from him. So I think that's what's going to happen in this one. All right, and now on our Monday night doubleheader, we have the New York Giants traveling to Detroit to play the Lions, which should be an interesting matchup. I'll go first on this one. I think the Giants are going to be a surprise this year, but I just think it's going to be tough to win in Detroit. Uh, They don't get a lot of showcase games like this, and they tend to, early in the season, rise up for these kind of games at home. So I'll take the Lions. Now that I just said that, I have no idea if that's true. I feel like I'm basing that off of their Monday night game in 2011. But I'll take the the Lions. Eli in a shootout where he has to score feels like he he might have some turnover problems, so I'll take the Lions. Yeah, it's not like Stafford ever has turnover problems in, in big games. Not in September. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's only November and December, but I'm taking the Lions, <laughs> too, here. I think they're just a little bit more talented, and New York has started so slow in their new offense, and Eli just hasn't looked comfortable. It's tough to come out in a big first game and just completely flip the switch and get it going, so I'm going to go Detroit. They did go 5-0 and in the preseason, the Giants did, though. That's pretty rare. That is good. All right, and then the doubleheader uh, Monday night game, which kind of disappoints me because it's Chargers at Cardinals, which seems like it'd be a really fun game to watch, and I really do want to watch it, but it starts at 9.30 kickoff. I'm not staying up till 1 o'clock to watch Chargers and Cardinals, but if I would, who would I see win? Oh, yeah, this is a tough one. I think this could be a really good game. I mean, to me, I take Phillip Rivers over Carson Palmer any day, but it's just the strength of these NFC teams to me, in a game like this, seems like it could be the difference. But I'm going to go San Diego still. I think it'll be a shootout and a good game. But I think I'll take uh, I'll take Rivers over Palmer. Yeah, and to make this completely uninteresting, I'm going to agree with you. I think San Diego is going to win because I don't think Carson Palmer is going to be very good at all this year. They got a new, unproven running back. Um, I feel like they could be what the Rams were last year, a team with a really solid defense that keeps them in and everything, but their offense just can't score. And... Um, and there may be out their best defensive player for the year in Darnell Dockett, which doesn't help. No, absolutely. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, f- I feel like I'm not sure I've seen enough Arizona games to know how Patrick Peterson is going to be affected by the new rules. But if he has troubles, um, that could be the death knell for this defense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to pick San Diego. I think, you know, a good quarterback against a suspect one, um, I'll always take that. So we'll, we'll go with the Chargers against the Cardinals. And that comes back to the most important game for anybody who's listening to this show, certainly, except maybe John Bellish, because he's a great listener who happens to be a Bronco fan. The Packers traveling to Seattle to play the defending Super Bowl champions on Thursday night football. Um, This is going to be a tough one to call. 
Matt, I guess I'll cop out and let you pick first. Yeah, no problem. And I kind of already picked this one in our preview edition for the our our schedule predictions. Um, and I'm going Packers here. Mm-hmm. I just I, obviously it's going to be a good game, and I I think it's definitely an upset if the Packers win. But I think with these new rules, they're obviously calling the penalties. I think it opens up things for Green Bay a little bit. Um, and and maybe just even though Carroll just won a Super Bowl, I, I think I'd take Mike McCarthy with so much time to prepare over over Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. And I I just think they'll have a good scheme against this defense. I think they can run. I think they'll be able to throw their night, their short little passes, and I think they'll be able to get a little bit more offense going than I think Seattle can. Um, I think they kind of load the box up to stop Marshawn Lynch, and I think they could kind of shut down the passing game a little bit with just you know just man coverage or something. So mm-hmm. I'll take uh, I'll take Green Bay here tentatively. <laughs> I think kind of low scoring, maybe like a 24-17 type game, but I've got confidence in Rodgers in this game. Yeah, and you you brought up some great points. They're very hard to argue. I want to be the positive guy and pick the Packers in this, but. It's so hard to win there. I mean, almost nobody wins in Seattle. And worse yet, the Super Bowl champion in this Thursday night kickoff game, uh, excluding Baltimore from last year because they had to play on the road, the Super Bowl champion at home is 9-1 in those games. So it's hard to win that game. And the only one who lost was, of course, the 2012 Giants after that fluke of a Super Bowl win. So I just have a feeling that the Packers are going to play great Something weird's going to happen that costs them the game. They'll probably deserve to win. They'll come out of this game with a chip on their shoulder, ready to take on the world on on Friday afternoon. But I just don't think it's going to happen for them. And I don't think we should get discouraged by it if that happens, because, like I said, the season is not won or lost on Thursday. But Seattle's going to be a tough team to beat. And not that you have to make this decision, but I think if you lose on Thursday you might be in a better position to beat them in the playoffs if you have to go there again. Because the yeah. thought of winning twice at Questfield or a Century Link in one season is daunting. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I really want to pick the Packers, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Sure. I, you know, I think there's something to be said about maybe being the hungrier team. I think Seattle's been being told how great they are at home for the last two years. They're coming off a Super Bowl. They're maybe the cockiest, most confident Super Bowl champion we've had in the last couple of decades, maybe yeah. since the Bears. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I think that the Packers are just going to come out and want it a little bit more, and I mm-hmm. think people have been telling them they're not tough enough for the last few years and that their defense stinks, mm-hmm. and I think they've got a lot more to prove here than Seattle, and I think that goes for something. And I think you're right, and maybe I'm just a little bit, uh, I don't know, burned by... The San Francisco games. Well, I mean, you have every reason to believe that Seattle's going to win yeah. this game, so maybe I'm being too optimistic. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you have no reason to, to think the Packers should win this game with how they've played against this type of team. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing, is that it's not even that much because the matchup makes sense. If you're looking on paper and you're like, if Richard Sherman can't hold and if these guys can't knock Richard Rodgers off the ball, I mean, Rodgers should have a field day, mm-hmm. and he should tear these guys apart. The offensive line has played okay, but... I guess in these situations in the past, the the 49er games especially, and that, that 2012 playoff game, the first game of last year where it's all last season was this bravado about how we figured out the read option and how Rodgers is going to tear apart this defense, and they still couldn't do it. And in 2012 where you're actually getting into the emotional aspect where, you know, Rodgers still hates, not hates, but is mad at the 49ers for not drafting him, and it didn't matter. He still got ran out of the joint. So I have a feeling that we are we want to, show how tough we are and how our defense is great and our new offense is there, but 
it doesn't have it doesn't always work out how the storybook. You kind of got to see it first before you can believe it to happen. Yeah, exactly. So um, I hope you're right. Obviously. Okay, so I'll tally these up and I'll I'll enter them into the system. We can uh, compare them next week, and then also if if you want to submit your thoughts, um, I don't know if we'll do a something special for whoever wins at the end of the season, but uh, you know it'd be fun to go season long and see if you guys are are smarter than us, which doesn't seem like that daunting of a task. So why not uh, why not get involved, right? Right. Okay, so we're about ready to wrap up this preseason edition and the last preseason edition of Green and Gold Forever. Before we go, I'm not sure how many people who listen to this show are big college football fans, but man, I I, I really want to talk about that Badger game just a little bit. And we watched it together because we had a, a family get together at Matt's lovely new home, and that was about as sick as I've ever felt after a Badger game. Yeah, and I was trying to think back, too. I mean, it's just one of those games where it's not like you come out of it like, man, that's rough. I mean, you just feel, like, nauseous about it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they've had so many losses like this. I mean, I was trying to think of the last game I felt just this. Like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about <laughs> it. It was just that. Arizona State was pretty bad last year. That was, yeah, that was probably the last time last year. It's just they lose these games in the worst possible way for a mm-hmm. fan to watch. Yeah. It's so hard to stomach these, you know, one after another. They never win the games like this. They lose yeah. every single one back mm-hmm. to, you know, the Michigan State game, the Ohio State game yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah, frickin' both of Russell Wilson's losses were just all like that. All three Rose Bowls recently, last year's bowl <laughs> game. I mean, every single time. They never win these games. They always lose in Penn State last year. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that game. I mean, it's so hard to stomach this. And then one like this where you're up on one of the best teams in the country by that many points, and to just watch it melt away as your quarterback doesn't do anything and your defense just completely falls apart. I'm glad we were kind of doing other things (laughs) to keep our focus off the game a little bit, but it was unwatchable. It was so hard to watch McAvoy back there playing quarterback. And I understand you got to commit to a guy after you make a decision, but this is not the NFL where you can lose nine ga- or seven games and go to the playoffs, or lose five and go to the playoffs. It's, this is the biggest game the Badgers have played in the regular season for as long as I can remember. And somebody could make an argument for a different one, but this game had been on the schedule for three years, waiting for this one. And not only was it big for the Badgers, it was big for the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we can go and we can smash LSU and a top SEC team right in the mouth. We can ram it down their throat. So the Badgers say instead, let's take a quarterback who's thrown for two yards an attempt. We'll leave him out there to die, even though we have a quarterback who's got like 20 career wins standing on the sidelines. Why are you doing that? And I didn't... I was like you. I didn't want to read anything about it yesterday or look into it any further. But why was Melvin Gordon not in the game? He ended up with like 15 carries. He was getting like 10 yards a pop. They could not stop him. So unless he had a broken foot, what were you doing? Are you trying to keep him? I've heard him say for years with Melvin Gordon, oh, we got to control his carries so he's fresh. Fresh for what? Frickin' Illinois? Who cares? Right. Yeah, I mean, this game is probably, I think when you look back at, at it at the end of the season, if they make it to the Big Ten championship game and can win it, this game was probably the difference between going to the fi- or yeah. going to the playoffs and not going. So Be at a number this point, four or number five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to just, and that's probably what it's going to be. This team can run the table against a bad schedule. They'll probably end up losing in the Big Ten championship game, especially if they don't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, this was probably their difference, their big game that they needed to win. And you lose really the only game on your schedule up until... A Big Ten championship game, that's not good. 
Well, and what they're going to need to have now is, is A, they're going to have to have LSU be somewhat de- uh, decent throughout the season, mm-hmm. and what, they're going to have to run, if, if they're going to make They're the going to have to run the table. They're not going to make it, even if they win the Big Ten Championship game, they're probably not going to make it with two losses, so you can't lose another game. Well, yeah, and even in the Big Ten Championship game, if you have a really good Oklahoma team, and if you have a Pac-10 champion that's one loss or, or, or no losses, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to play either a one loss or unbeaten Ohio State or Michigan State, and you're probably going to have to beat them quite decisively. Yeah. Uh, you can't beat them like you did in 2011 with Russell Wilson on kind of some fluke plays. You're going to have to beat them like they beat Nebraska in the Big Ten title game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and maybe not 70 to 31 or whatever it was, <laughs> but but you're going to have to beat them decisively. You're going to have to beat them how they beat LSU in the first three quarters. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I mean, I'm glad college football's starting, but. Ugh. I, I miss the Badgers starting against Tennessee State 100 to zero. Yeah, they should have done that. Yeah, but it is what it is. Hopefully, the Packers. We say this a lot on this show, and I half mean it. But if you're gonna lose to Seattle, don't do it on a fail mary. Just lose 38 to 14, and let's move on and play the Jets. Yep. <laughs> okay, so uh, I don't really have anything else to add other than get on the Facebook page and uh, comment on the show. You can also email us at greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter and hear me rant about uh, the Badgers or any other things that are going on football-related, and that's at greengoldforever. That's the number four on Twitter. Uh, or leave a comment beneath this on the, the website, greengoldforever.podbean.com. And there are there might be some other outlets where you can listen to me. Um, I'll, I'll have some more details on that next week. So for Matt in Altoona, right next to Wayne Crabetta, I'm running out of Jets guys. Yeah, no more. Here. Okay, that'll be the last time, I promise. <laughs> um, so Matt out in that part of the state, I'm Eric in this part of the state. Enjoy the game on Thursday. Hopefully it's a good one. Take care, everyone.